You are listening to Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 358, The Forging of Young Batman. Welcome to episode 358 of Legion of Substitute Podcasters. I'm Paul French, and today I'm Cabin Kid. I'm, uh, I'm actually not here. That's right, I'm not here. Well, I'm here now. But when you're listening to this, totally not here. Um, it is vacation time. So, um, well, here's the thing. When you have young children, you don't really go on a vacation. You go on a trip. So we're on a trip. So, uh, so I have in, I have this little uh, Superboy story for you because I'm on my own for this one because uh, I won't be here when we're recording. So, so I'm here now, but not here then, and not here again then. So, there you go. All right. So uh, we start off. This is from. Oh, wait. Let me get the details here. All right. This is from Superboy number 182 from February 1972. Uh, it is written by Leo Dorfman, who you may recall is the guy that uh, created Pete Ross. You remember when I did the Pete Ross uh, uh, one back a little while back. And um, it is penciled by Bob Brown and inked by Murphy Anderson. And Bob Brown was a uh, was a one of the uh, Superboy artist I, I quite enjoyed. Um, you, you know, as everybody knows, I'm a big uh, fan of Kurt Schaffenberger. But in a lot of those digests, um, where you had sort of like the George Papp artwork, you had the Kurt Schaffenberger stuff. Um, Bob Brown was one one that uh, that used to uh, used to turn up quite a bit. And um, you know, I remember. I think I remember the first story I read about him was when. Uh, Superboy found uh, the bodies of Jor-El and Lara uh, floating in, in, in space in like a little uh, suspended animation chamber. And, um, you know, that, that story kind of always, always stuck with me. And one of the things that stuck with me about it was sort of the different artwork. Um, uh, he had, um, instead of having just the straight-up spit curl, you know, his... You know, and that, and it's not the case in this story, but I remember in that story, you know, it was more of sort of a, sort of a swoopy style. Anyway, um, so Bob Brown uh, was born. Actually, you know what? I'm recording this on Bob Brown's birthday. Weird. He was born August twenty second, nineteen fifteen. Uh, died in January of nineteen seventy seven, and uh, used to work a lot with uh, Edmund Hamilton. Again, no stranger to. Uh, the Legion, um, also Gar Gardner Fox, uh, and with uh, he he cre co-created the uh, hero Space Ranger, and uh, drew the character's complete run uh, from the debut in uh, Showcase number fifteen through Mystery in Space number one hundred three, and he also penciled uh, Challengers of of the Unknown, taking over from some guy named Jack Kirby. Uh, he came from the, uh, he attended the Harf Hartford Art School and the Rhode Island School of Design and began his career in comics during the 40s, um, where he did the 
uh, he was writer and artist of the crisscross backup feature in Fox Comics teen humor title Meet Corliss Archer. Uh, he also did some work um, at uh, Timely Comics, which would of course later become uh, Marvel. But he was there at Timely as it was transitioning to becoming Atlas Comics. And he was also the regular artist of the feature Vigilante in Action Comics. And he drew it from uh, issue 152 to 185. So we're talking basically January 51 through to October of 53. Um, in addition to this, uh, he drew some. He drew uh, stories for Atlas, um, as well as for some of the ti- the DC supernatural titles like Phantom Stranger and House of Mystery, and began working uh, exclusively for Atlas in around 1954. Um, signed most of them. W. R. Brown did a lot of uh, western and, ju- and jungle adventures. Um, later, with an unknown writer tentatively identified as Atlas Editor-in-Chief Stan Lee, he produced the first version of The Rawhide Kid. Basically, the only uh, relation to the character that Lee and Kirby would later create uh, in 1960 was the fact that he shared the name. Um, so, it, and no one's, it, the one thing that isn't clear is because a different artist drew the cover... Uh, which was often done at the time before the comics interior art. <laughs> Talk about turning that on its head now. Um, and so it's unknown whether Brown or Manili, Joe Manili is the guy who did the cover, uh, whether which one of them created the character design. So uh, then, of course, he would, uh, with Gardner Fox and Edmund Hamilton, create the co-create the feature Space Ranger in Showcase 15, uh, continuing to draw that science fiction adventure after it became a feature in Tales of the Unexpected and Mystery in Space, and took over Challengers, as I mentioned, from Jack Kirby, uh, beginning with issue number nine in September of 59, and stayed on the title through issue number 63. Not a bad run in uh, September of 1968. So, you know, good nine-year run. Um, and this became his best-known signature work. And, of course, he and Arnold Drake would create Beast Boy in Doom Patrol number 99. And he also drew stories for Brave and the Bold, House of Secrets, and World Finest Comics, and, of course, his run of Superboy Adventures. He also, with Denny O'Neill, crafted Batman's first encounter with the League of Assassins in Detective Comics uh, number 405, and co-created the character Talia al Ghul in Detective 411. So, and that's fairly significant to this uh, story that we're going to go through today, because, of course, uh, it, it, it will tie in. Uh, it'll tie, you know, it's, it's Batman. So... Whole but whole lot of other work. Um, worked for a little while on uh, the short-lived superhero title Warlock, and became a regular penciler of uh, an obscure series called The Avengers, penciling most issues between one thirteen and one twenty-six, and that's uh, July seventy-three to August seventy-four, which is some some good uh, Avengers time. He and Sal Buscema, Buscema, yes. Uh, drew the Avengers Defenders Clash storyline in 1973. And then his last few years, uh, he worked on uh, Daredevil from 74 to 77. Um, Some of the new adversaries that he introduced during his tenure were Silver Samurai and Bullseye. uh, And he worked on that with Tony Isabella. 
who said that he was very much uh, um, underrated, underappreciated. And I can't really disagree with that because, you know, he's not one of the guys that people bring up off often. And uh, so he worked again on that. And uh, Mark Evanier had said that around this point, um, Brown fit, found that his work was regarded as old-fashioned and they said and Evanier says that it wasn't so much that Brown couldn't take a more modern approach to his work as that he just didn't understand what that meant Uh, editors kept showing him the work of new artists and uh, they would say this is what we want now but he couldn't grasp what he was supposed to learn from the examples which often struck him as displaying weak anatomy poor perspective and other fundamental errors it was almost like they were telling him kids relate to crude artwork, and he knew it wasn't that. One of his last uh, published pieces was a fill-in story written by Bill Mantlo and drawn a couple of years earlier. Bef- I don't think it was drawn before it was written. It was when it was published. Uh, it was published after his death uh, in uh, Uncanny X-Men number 106. Um, and he passed away, and actually both of the principles in this title in this story uh died at the age of uh of 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 60 in their early 60s uh dorfman was 60 uh brown was 61 he uh, passed away from leukemia following a long illness he had just at that time signed on as the new artist on wonder woman with issue number 231 but created only a single issue released two weeks after his death and was eulogized in August 1977 cover dated issues of Marvel titles with a special mention given to his fostering better communication between American and European cartoonists. So certainly, you know, a, 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 an amazing career and uh, did some did some great work. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. So this story um, starts off with uh, an emergency meeting of DC editors. Interesting. Uh, so, so it says some time ago at an emergency meeting of DC editors, and you got a bunch of guys around the table, and the one says, "After all these years, we find the real story lost in the files. This could be dynamite. I say, keep it buried. No, our readers deserve the truth. Let's lay our cards on the table and tell it like it really was." And. Um, so for the secret story of the decade, we begin at the Kent store in Smallville, where the very young-looking Pa Kent uh, is admonishing Clark to be very careful with the glasses. And he says, don't worry, Dad, I'm wrapping them in old newspapers. Suddenly, he says, that headline, wow, I didn't know. And what he's looking at is a newspaper that talks about the, of course, they they cover it up strategically. So it says, Ain murdered, Otham tragedy. But we know that means Wayne murdered, Gotham tragedy. So uh, he says, uh, so the, he, he takes off and Pa says, where are you going? You promised to work in the store today. And he says, sorry, Dad, there's something more important I have to do. And he says to, uh, and Pa says to Martha, when it comes to doing chores, Martha, he's just like any other youngster. And she says, with one slight difference, Jonathan, our son is Superboy with a Superboy's responsibilities. And he changes into his costume. Interestingly, he's still wearing his, you know, usual V-neck with the, uh, with the bow tie and everything, but usually it's red, this time, yellow. That's right, living on the edge here, folks. All right, so he says, that newspaper story is two months old. It's too late to do anything now, but maybe there's some way I can help. There's Gotham City ahead, and here's the mansion. Wonder what the poor kid is doing. I'll check with my x-ray vision. 
And so he does that, and he sees someone sneaking in through a storm drain. He says, I'll nab him, but without damaging the building. So he gets in there, and he, he drills up through the basement floor, and he says, someone beat me to it. He's trapped by some weird electric web. And there's a, a shadowy figure that says, you see, you weren't needed, Superboy. Bruce Wayne doesn't need anyone's help to catch such vermin. How does a lonely orphan, seared by hatred, become a mighty hero? How does iron become steel? You hammer it, mold it, forge it in flame. And that's how the fabulous Superboy first began to shape the career of the lad fated to become one of history's greatest crime fighters. Now, from our forgotten files, the fantastic story of The Forging of Young Batman. So, yeah, Bruce is looking kind of angry. He says, it's just a harmless trap I invented to foil would-be burglars. What are you doing here? You usually hang around Smallville. And uh, he thinks to himself, yes, that's where we had an adventure together last year while he was on vacation, but I hypnotized him into forgetting it. Oh, I'll have to do that one as well at some point. Hmm. Interesting, see? Continuity. Uh. Um, he says, I just read about your parents' death. The paper said you were living here with your rich uncle. Hmm. How did it all happen? So we were coming home from a movie when we were held up by a thug. I don't know if you've ever heard this story, folks. Sit back, sit back. There's a, a, a story about... Batman you may never have, have heard before. He says he killed my father and mother in cold blood. And actually this, the imagery for this does look very different from what we're used to, of course. Because um, I see no pearls anywhere. Just saying. So he says, one, in one moment I lost my mother and, and my father. I'll never forget that night, never. And he says, you won't escape. Sob. It's not even a choke. He says, you'll pay for this, you and all the others like you, I swear it. He says, where were you at the time? You're supposed to be the sworn enemy of crime. He says, I was away from Earth on a mission. Even Superboy can't be anywhere, everywhere at the same time, but I'll help you track that murderer down. He says, forget it. Revenge belongs to me and no one else. Go on, take this hood to the police. You can claim credit for catching him. I'm after the big wheels of crime. Mm, yes, and the green machine as well. Mm. And he says he's got courage, self-reliance, and ingenuity, but he's still an amateur. And he says, okay, I'll be back. i got some questions for you. And he goes, yeah? Why Why should the mighty Superboy be interested in me? And see, <laughs> here's a problem. Uh, so, so Superboy um, thinks to himself, if he could only foresee that someday he'll become one of the Earth's greatest heroes, the fabulous Batman. He says, I'm familiar with Batman's career because of my experimental time scope. Yeah, no bad can come of that, right? He says, in my time scope is perfected, and I get partial glimpses of the future. There I am, a full-grown Superman teamed up with Batman against smugglers. I turned that sail with a puff of my super breath so Batman can capture the, great, the gang leader. Just what a great future is ahead of Bruce. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be like in a cave, and he's going to be all, uh, all all obsessed with vengeance. It'll be awesome. Uh, he says, but right now, all he can think of is revenge. I'll have to help him any way I can. So he comes back to the uh, to Wayne Manor after uh, dropping the, the hood off, and uh, and Bruce is working out in, in a huge gym that's really sparsely uh, equipped, all things considered. Uh, he says, what's with this bodybuilding routine? And Bruce says, I have to increase my endurance and strength. I'll need them for the job ahead. And I got to say, in comparison to the Bruce that we saw a couple of pages earlier, uh, he, he looks much more buff. I'm just saying. He says, I've taught myself judo and karate too. Pity the mug who falls into my hands. Pity the mug. Yeah, see? 
take a drink. Um, he says, uh, what's that? A radio hidden in that vaulting horse? And he says, my uncle gives me a big allowance. I use the money to build a secret communication setup. It's tuned in to all police and FBI wavelengths so I can re- respond to their alerts. And um, so they, they, they talk about, they basically, there's a fire. And uh, Superboy says, you stay here, I'll handle it. He says, Bruce says, who are you to give me orders? I'll do as I please. I can take care of myself. This is the emergency call I'm waiting for is still to come. It's written in the stars, and we see a big Zodiac poster. Wow. Uh, he says, today's February 18th, the last day of Aquarius. By all the signs, the crime I'm waiting for must happen before this day ends. And it says, uh, it, it, the, the radio goes off again. Calling all waterfront units. Trailer trucks plunged off docks in the first street. Rescue squad report at once. And Bruce says, and there it is. Time for another hero to go into action. But first, I must dress for my new role. And so we see Superboy at the Gotham Museum where the fire is. And uh, he's going through to save some of the, the most valuable canvases at super speed. And he says, oh, looks like I have some help. Or have I? And uh, so he find, what he's found is a couple of guys dressed in human bomb outfits, you know, from the Freedom Fighters. Uh, he says, here's your ar- arsonist, Chief. These thieves set that blaze to cover the theft of the museum's gem, col- gem collection. He said, their asbestos suits protected them from the flames, but invulnerable Superboy really put their heat on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so... So Superboy says, I thought Bruce might follow me to the museum. Wonder why he didn't. Hmm, what's this? Now why is that crowd gathered at that pier? And a big hook comes out of the water because a trailer truck plunged into the bay and the emergency crane isn't powerful enough to lift it. And so Superboy says, hey, no problem, I'll handle it. So he lifts it out as though it were a feather. And everyone says that it's, uh, it, witnesses said that it was an accident. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, they, the driver's brakes didn't hold and he went over into the drink. The reporter says, an accident? As a police reporter, I'd say it's more like murder. Uh, he says, look at that, what do you see? And they see two parallel wriggly lines. Are they meant to mean something? And he says, it's the sign of Aquarius. Ah, remember? Zodiac. Uh, he says, the water carrier on the Zodiac chart. It was put there by the Zodiac killer. He says, the Zodiac killer? Who's that? I've never heard of him. Oh, man. I think the uh, real Zodiac killer would, would, would be like, hey, I'm not from Gotham City. Uh, but yes, this reporter is Otis Higby of the Gazette. He says, obviously, you don't know what's been happening here in Gotham City. In the past months, there's been a series of strange deaths. And at the scene of each tragedy, police found the sign of the Zodiac for that month. The Zodiac symbols always match the way the victims died. The scorpion in an antique shop where the proprietor was killed by a poisoned ring. Capricorn the goat where a man died in a car which rammed a fence. Oh, you see. Uh, Aries is actually the ram, so I mean, it's just I'm just saying. Um, and Sagittarius, the archer, at the scene of a fatal shooting. He says, and now Aquarius, to symbolize a death by drowning. The evidence is clear. There's a mad murderer on the loose. And he says, yes, the evidence is clear. And then thinks to himself, but a Zodiac killer? So the crowd leaves, and he sees someone ducking into an abandoned pier. And he goes, I wonder what makes him so shy. Let's find out. He says, I could use my super speed... And catch, and catch that character in nothing flat, but I'm enjoying his circus act. He says, come to think of it, where have I seen such acrobatic skill before? And it turns out it's Bruce Wayne wearing a, uh, uh, a black leotard, basically. He says, Bruce Wayne, I should have known it was you. What are you doing here? What's that paper you're holding? He says, okay, hero, so you caught me, but you couldn't have done it without your superpowers. Ah, uh, see. 
planting seeds. And he's the Aquarius symbol. Did you plant it on the dock? And he says, for your information, that's an imprint I made of the mark. I'll need it as evidence when I find the real killer. Superboy says, how stupid can you get? If there's an assassin on the prowl, you might end up his next victim. You're asking for it. And he says, you don't scare me. I'll catch that murderer if it takes a lifetime. He's the one who killed my parents, remember? The day after my parents slaying, I returned to the scene searching for a clue to the killer. See, they, they, they've got him placed as obviously much older than the uh, the eight-year-old Bruce that we're used to seeing uh, um, in, in the origin story. So it says the Waynes died on November 25th under, this, under the, the sign of the Sagittarius. See this? The Zodiac Killer left his mark. See, remember? Sagittarius, the shooting, remember? Uh, he says, the thief who slew my parents must have been the Zodiac Killer, and for that he'll pay with his life. Wow. So Superboy says, Bruce, you got to forget about revenge. No man should be the judge, prosecutor, and jury. You're blinded by hate. You're bound to make serious mistakes. Leave the Zodiac Killer to me. And he says, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm training myself to be the world's greatest crime fighter. I'll be as good as you even with all your superpowers. Uh, emphasis mine. Um, he says, and you can forget the Big Brother Act. Haven't you some spectacular mission to perform? And so Superboy says, just leaves. He says, okay, if that's the way you feel about it. He says, it's hopeless trying to reason with him. And to think that someday he'll be the world-famous hero Batman. He hates evil with every fiber of his being. So he gets home, and he's uh, playing around with his time scope again. He says, I wonder how good a battler Bruce will be when he finally straightens out. I just had another thought. How would a Superboy-Superman team stack up against a Batman-Batlad duo? I'll rebuild my time scope into a Vizzy computer, which will show what might happen if Bruce and I joined up with Superman and Batman. Oh, oh my. All right, so... Um, so he programs all the known factors about Bruce, Batman, Superman, and himself into the computer to see how, how the Superman-Superboy team does against Batman and young Bruce. And what he sees is a ticker tape parade. It's Superman-Batman Day. Hooray for our heroes. He says, the scene switched. Well, you look at that. While everyone's attention's on the parade, some sly men are holding up the bank. He says, they're getting away. Why, why don't Batman and Superman do something? Where are they? And, he's, and he sees. He's like, oh, there they are. Okay, so they must have heard the alarm. So, so you know, we get there, and, and there's uh, Bruce and Superboy already dealing with the, with the crooks. And he says, oh, wow, young Batman and I finally showed up, but what are they doing? Instead of joining their adult counterparts, they're teaming up to nab the robbers on their own. And Batman and Superman look confused. They wonder who the interlopers are. Watch it, the loot's falling. We see the bag of money go flying, and he goes... Terrific! that daring kid made a, d a dive to grab one of the bags, but the rest of the money's scattering over the parade area like green confetti. And then Superboy comes in and he starts grabbing up the money and putting it into that uh, handy-dandy um, uh, cape pouch. And so what do they do? They scratch out the man on each thing on the banner and change it to Superboy and Batlad, hooray for our heroes. Superboy thinks this is funny. He says, what a switch. Superboy and Batlad made the perfect team. And what's more, they made the Batman-Superman duo look like beginners. And he says, that's enough fun. Now to face reality. Someday Bruce will become the fantastic Batman, but right now he's a rank amateur. It would be dangerous to let him tangle with a ruthless, psychopathic killer on his own. He says, Bruce told me not to meddle, but I have no choice. And he goes to the closet and uh, on a thing that, marked, that is labeled Disguises. Since I know the, since I know the great future in store for him, it's my responsibility to help him, guide him in any way I can. 
And Bruce will need help for that moment back in Gotham City. We see the shadowy Zodiac killer looking at the Zodiac poster similar to the one that Bruce had. He says, I've been lucky so far. I hoodwinked the police and even played Superboy for a sap with that Aquarius stunt. I think it's going to turn out to be the reporter. He says, the next sign to rule the Zodiac is Pisces, the fish. I've got, the, I've got to plan something that will top everything I've done before. And so Superboy uh, goes to visit Bruce again the next day. He says, Bruce, I brought something for you. And Bruce says, what, you're trying to buy me off? It won't work, so don't bother. I haven't time to talk. I'm busy with an important series of tests. You might find them interesting, too. Come in if you like. He says, this is my collection of Coroptera. Bats to you. I'm investigating their uncanny ability to fly in the dark. And he says, strange how fate is already shaping his future Batman career. So later after they emerge from this, he says, and now for my little gift, a few improvements for that childish disguise you wore at the pier the other day. He says, it shielded my movements in the dark. If it weren't for your superpowers, you'd never have caught me. And uh, so basically it's like a, a Batman outfit. So you've got the boots, you've got the uh, the trunks, you got the, you know, and, and the only thing you don't have is bat ears. But it's a cape and cowl for sure. He says, the mask and hood will protect your secret identity. Those special magnetized boots and gloves will climb the steepest walls and the hidden pockets in your cape is all about pockets in the cape. He says, we'll hide your uh, anti-crime weapons. He's got the belt right there. Utility belt, come on. Uh, he says, you look great, Batlad. He says, Batlad, why did you call me that? And he goes, uh, slip of the tongue, I guess. But perhaps I was unconsciously thinking of those bats in your experiment. It's like you were just looking at the bats, in fact. Uh, he says, and so he... Uh, Bat Lad looks in the mirror and says, The costume. Black as the night my parents died. Black as the hate in my heart. It makes me look like an executioner. He says, That's what I'll call myself in my secret identity. The executioner. He pounds his fist on the table. He says, Let criminals in the underworld beware. They'll pay for their crimes in blood. <laughs> and Superman says, For Pete's sake, will you get off that revenge kick? And Bruce says, I saw my mother and father die before my eyes. Do you know how it feels to be an orphan, Superboy? And uh, this is interesting. Superboy says, if he only knew, if only I could tell him that I lost my parents too when my native planet Krypton exploded. And they say, so, Scorpio, Sagittarius. I think, you know, going back to that, I find it interesting that, uh, you know, sometimes you hear things where people are like, oh, this is, uh, this rock is from Superboy's home planet of Krypton. And it's and it's kind of a, okay, so everybody knows everything, but perhaps not. Um, so, uh, he says, Scorpio, Sagittarius, Aquarius, and now comes Pisces. This time I'll be ready for that murderer. He says, how? The sign of Pisces supposedly rules the fates from February 19th to March 21st. The Zodiac Killer might strike anywhere in that time. And Batlad says, right, but he seeks the limelight of publicity. He hungers for no notoriety, recognition, and if I find the right kind of bait, he'll walk right into my trap. And he says, this fact microfile is, I invented is like an automated encyclopedia. It should tell me uh, which public events are in the next month in the next month are concerned with fish. And Superboy is just shaking his head, thinking of all the kooks. And so a couple, a little, couple of little data cards spit out of the computer, and he says, here are the answers. The dedication of the new Seaquarium on March 5th, the opening of a new fish cannery on the 9th. He says, ah, this could be what we're looking for. I'll check the newspapers. And so he goes in. And it uh, turns out the um, there's also, he says, the sports event of the year. Fishermen will be coming in by the hundreds. They have the 10th annual Fish Derby, March 15th off Gotham Point. $20,000 prize for catching the biggest fish. Huh, 20 grand. 
Superboy says, and the killer might try to mur murder any one of them. How can you protect them all? Batlad says, because I'm going to be his target. He won't be able to resist. You see, I'm going to win that con the contest. And Superboy thinks to himself, what a braggart. And he says, how can you know for sure? He says, as a crime fighter, I've become an expert on scents. I discovered which chemical, a chemical which attracts fish the way flowers attract bees. Look. And he puts a little test tube of stuff and all these fish come running to it. To be fair, most times you drop something into a fishbowl. They're all going to come. Just take a look. Um, and Superboy says, but I warned you, you may be up against a criminal psychopath. If some emergency strikes and I'm called away, I might not be able to help you. And Batlad says, all the better. I want to do it on my own. It'll be that assassin's life or mine. So, um, so we head over to the fishing contest, um, <laughs> where Bruce is wearing, uh, blue shorts and a Where's Waldo styled, um, uh, t-shirt, uh, you know, red and, and white stripes. Not a good look. Um, and just as Bruce had predicted, uh, he, he's caught this giant swordfish and he says, since Bruce Wayne's. Uh, George, giant swordfish set a new record. I hereby a new world's record. I hereby declare him the winner. So the flash bulbs start going off, and uh, and he says, hmm, "The flying glass from that flash bulb cut the rope. What an incredible coincidence!" Ah, uh, yes, it cut the rope that's holding up the big swordfish. Says one side, Bruce, or you're a candidate for a shish kebab. <laughs> um, and so the uh, the swordfish kind of goes through and crunches through the deck of the boat. He says, the swordfish plunged right through the weak planking of this old barge, Superboy. Do something or people may drown. He says, uh, get your finger off the panic button, uh, Bruce. I'll haul this barge ashore. And Bruce is thinking, did the Zodiac Killer arrange this? I'd better change and get ready for action. So Superboy, you know, hauls the boat in. He says, okay, everybody, you're home free. Everybody ashore. And uh, Balad says, if any of them had drowned, it would have been the Zodiac Killer's greatest crime. But who is he? And where is he? Suddenly a rope snakes out, and he says, What's this all about? And he says, My scheme worked. I snagged him, Superboy, the bloodthirsty murderer I've been hunting for all these months. And it's, of course, it's this uh, reporter, Higby. And he says, Higby seemed a little uh, too long to climb over the... seemed to take a little too long to climb over the side. I thought he was shooting a picture until I spotted this, carved in the gunnel. It's this, he's the Zodiac Killer. He's engraved the Pisces symbol. Um, on the uh, on the side of the boat, um, he says, "Call me the killer if you like, but let me talk." And uh, and Superboy says, "Executioner, do you want to choke him? Let go." I think he does want to choke him. So Higby says, four months ago, I was about to lose my job on the Gazette." And he says, "Higby, as a reporter, you're a flop, a flubadub, a born loser. Give me a headline story, or you're fired. Bounced out on your air." Sorry, I can do that better. Higby, as a reporter, you're a flop, a flubadub, a born loser. Get me a headline story or you're fired. Bounce that on your ear. Yeah, that's much better. All right, so take a drink. Um, yeah, see? Uh, he says, next day when the antique dealer was accidentally killed by a poisoned ring. So Higby put the, the symbol there. Basically, he says, it's sure to make the headline I need to save my job. Aha. Uh -huh. I think they did this storyline in The Wire. Interesting. Um, so he says, look, the sign of Scorpio, a poisonous scorpion smeared on that paper. He was killed by a madman who practiced astrology. He thinks to himself, I put that sign there myself. It's sure to make the headline I need to save my job. 
And he says, and then sometime late after that, when a couple was found dead in a, in a holdup, I planted another bit of fake evidence. And he grabs the arrow off the bottom of a one-way sign <laughs> and uh, puts it there. He says, this damaged one-way sign is a perfect symbol of Sagittarius, an archer marksman. This should convince everyone that there's really a Zodiac fiend around. He says, but it was a common thief who was responsible. There never was a Zodiac killer. And Bruce is thinking, he's talking about my parents, but he's lying, of course. He says, in each, in each case, you arranged phony clues to convince the police, huh? He says, it was, in, and Higby says, yeah, it was ingenuity and sometimes luck. The next month, when a driver died in a car crash, the killer's calling card, the sign of Capricorn. He says, actually, it's a street number of that house, 18, molded into the iron fence and distorted by the smash-up. Um... And he said, but what about that symbol of Aquarius, uh, that sign of Aquarius, which you left where the trailer plunged into the river? Was that by chance? And he says, perhaps. Take a look at this, Executioner. It's a strip of tire tread I found at the accident scene, and it matches exactly a copy of the symbol I made. Then the Aquarius sign could have been made by the truck tire slipping on it, for instance, on a patch of grease. And they said, then who carved that Pisces symbol, the two arcs that link together? And it turns out it was, it's just a mark left by the chain. That, that Superboy was using to drag the uh, the boat into the into the deck. I uh, basically went over the gunnel and uh, and the chain links uh, made made that symbol. So uh, Bruce says, "Gasp! The sh- chain you used to drag the barge ashore. It was the steel links that gouged out that symbol accidentally." So Superboy flies off with Higby and says, "I'll turn him over to face the police, or I'll turn him over to the police. Face it." Higby was just a poor fool faking the news so he could make a headline, but you would have condemned him to death on circumstantial evidence. And that, that gives Batlad something to think about. So when Superboy returns, he says, uh, he says, if Higby is so innocent, then who cut the rope which held the giant swordfish? And Superboy says, still disagreeing with me, eh? Let's take a closer look at that hemp. He says, when, you're, when the powerful chemical lure you invented combined with seawater, it formed a hyperacid strong enough to rot through any rope it came into contact with. That hemp fell apart by itself. Oh, sure, Bruce Wayne. Yes, already a corporate polluter. Ugh. So, um, uh, Batlad says, stop picking me apart. You're just jealous because you can't stand a rival crime fighter. You've got to be number one. Superboy says, hey, sorry you feel that way. I'll be seeing you around. And again, Bruce shakes his fist into the air. He says, just remember, I must have done something, right? Didn't I catch Higby on my own? And he says, or did I? Maybe Superboy helped me secretly. And then we see Superboy flying through the clouds where uh, where images of Batman and Superman shaking hands have taken form around him. And Superboy says, he has a brilliant mind and a world of courage. He'll make a splendid hero. Yes, someday we'll be a great team, Batman and I. And there we have it. So... Uh, an early meeting, and, and at some point I got to go back and I. I'm just trying to see if it's uh, if it's in this digest, and it, no, it doesn't look like it is. Um, heh, yeah, um, yeah, that that earlier meeting, uh, where, wherein um, Superboy hypnotizes Bruce so that Bruce doesn't remember the meeting, and uh, yeah, so there we go. You know, that used to be a thing when uh, Smallville was on. Everyone was like, you know, when's he going to meet Bruce Wayne? When's he going to meet Bruce Wayne? And, uh, of course, that was always uh, sort of held at arm's length. But, uh, um, hey, who knows? You know, we still got, we've got Gotham on now, and uh, which I'm finally, you know, getting, getting caught up on. 
and I think I might have I might manage to finish season one before season two starts. Um, but uh, I've been watching that, and I actually kind of enjoying it. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I, it's one of those things where you got to kind of let the the continuity wonk go and uh, and not be so hung up on that. You know, it's like how could Harvey Dent so much older than Bruce? It's not a big deal. It actually in this story works quite well. So, you know, is what it is. Uh, anyway, I'm gonna wrap it up now. I know it's a short one, but uh, but as you may be able to tell, my allergies are killing me today. So um, rather than than continue subjecting you to it, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week with uh, some more Baxter uh, Run goodness, and I also have an awesome uh, stump the subs that was sent in uh, that uh, that I'm gonna gonna spring on the guys. I'm not sure how many of us there will be because we're headed into, oh, you know what? We're not going to do that right away because, uh, well, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. We're going to figure out the schedules. There will be a next episode. I'm just not sure who's going to be on it at this at this moment. Busy times, folks, busy times. And I know that, uh, that Darren's getting ready for, um, for, for Dragon Con and, uh, because the next one is the week before Labor Day. So we'll figure it out. But at some point very soon, I have an awesome Stump the Subs that I can't wait to spring on the guys. It's going to be great. So uh, comments, as always, are welcome at legionofsubstitutepodcasters at gmail.com. You can join the conversation on our Facebook page, facebook.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com. We are on the Twitter. We are LOSP Podcast. In addition to all these things, you can head over to our website, legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com where you can leave a comment on this or any episode. And with that, we make our way back into the time bubble, heading back to the 21st century, and we will see you all next week. (laughs) 